and uh, to all of the people standing behind me and all of the people in this room and so many great politicians and great dignitaries and friends, I just want to thank you all. This is a very special night. And this is the first because the big night is going to be in November when we take back our country and truly we do make our country great again. Thank you very much, everybody. Unfortunately, it was the last one here, so, um, but it, it was electric. It, it, we could feel the energy, and we fed off that. I can safely say, tonight, Iowa made this Republican primary a two-person race. Are you yes. Ready? Yes, I'm ready. Listen, this is crafty. This is crafty what TJ just did. He could have put a DeSantis clip in, but he went to the other part of the state of Florida, and put in Baker Mayfield with the electric feeling in the stadium last night. Who'd they beat? Who, 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 who lost last night? Who was that? Did you see Mike Tomlin just like walk off the podium? Like they were like, hey, you have another year and you're kind of, where are you going? Uh, Donald Trump won last night uh, in, in, in huge fashion. And the number one story moving on this, by the way, it's Brett Witterbull, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110. We'll take your reactions to the uh, decision last night in Iowa. Uh, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. The lead story on, on messy NBC or Ms. NBC and CNN, the lead story was a third of people at the caucuses don't believe oh no two-thirds of the people of at the caucuses don't believe that joe biden was really elected that was their lead story that was their lead story 68 percent of the people who showed up said that joe biden wasn't really the president let me let me disabuse the progressives you know you your your public radio consumers your public radio funders getting your J- Judy Collins tote bag with, with Woody Guthrie's jawbone in it or whatever it is. I don't know. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Do you understand that when you ask people stupid questions, they're going to give you stupid answers? When you say, do you think Joe Biden was elected fairly, freely, what have you, and you are talking to people who are caucusing very likely for Trump, you don't think they're going to give you the answer that you want to hear, which is, no, I don't think he, I don't think he won. He didn't win fair and square at all. That's not really right. That's not really what happened. But they make this into the story all day long. All day long, this has been the story. 68, 68% of the people at the caucus uh, think that Joe Biden wasn't elected. It doesn't matter whether they like him or not, whether they think he was elected or not. He's the president. and He's done a lot of damage for the last three and a half years. So, like, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Let's let's see what ends up happening as we get through this next election. But they only committed two sins last night. They committed two sins. The media committed um, two sins uh, over at MSNBC and over at CNN. They refused to carry anything from Donald Trump's uh, speech in Iowa. You know why? Because we don't carry lies. We don't carry lies on on these on these 
TV channels. Really? You got Shifty Schiff on there 24-7, 365. Yeah, you had Vindman. You had the people who were claiming that we colluded, that the, that the, that the people uh, on the right were colluding with Russia. You don't carry lies? You would not be able to broadcast on Ms. NBC if you were not allowed to carry lies. Because this is straight-up craziness. So here's what we have. We have people in the country right now who are living in their own silos. You have to decide which silo you want to be in. Do you want to be in the open borders, criminals run free, uh, no consequences for fentanyl murders. Do you want to live in that silo or do you want to be in a silo that says we are going to stand up for the country? We are going to stand up for the economy. We are going to stand up for uh, liberty and freedom and, and keeping more of what you earn. Are you going to be in that silo? Are you going to be in the silo of chaos or are you going to be in the silo of prosperity? You have a choice. We live in a pro-choice uh, country. You have a choice. You can choose to live with the wackos and the criminals and the people who don't live in reality. Or you can live in a prosperous way. And then there's another silo. You know what the other silo is? The other silo is, let's just watch the Emmys. Let's watch the Emmys and let's watch the People's Choice Awards and let's watch Up With People and let's watch Real People and let's watch all, all the stuff that just doesn't really matter at all. Like, let's look at that. Well, I can tell you something that happened last night that I think is really interesting. You have the entire world tuning in to what's happening in the United States. Xi Jinping, he's already come out and said, uh, yeah, it looks like uh, Trump's going to be the guy. And uh, they're obviously preparing for whatever that eventuality will look like. You're hearing from the Europeans over at the World Economic Forum. I played, I, I played Hariri uh, yesterday uh, talking about how it is he was going to comport his business and how it is that they were going to try to survive as globalists and all that kind of stuff, right? So, so you're hearing from the Europeans. You're he hearing from the World Economic Forum. You're hearing from the Bill Gateses and the Tony Fauci's and, and, and all, those, all those folks. You're hearing from Xi Jinping. You're, you're going to hear from uh, any other number of uh, international leaders around the world who are paying close attention to this. And you know what they're doing? They're preparing for a change of the presidency coming up in early 2025. They're preparing for that. The White House isn't preparing for that. The White House is begging their staffers not to walk out and join the protests in support of Hamas. The White House doesn't have an answer for the border. The White House doesn't have an answer for prosperity. The White House doesn't have an answer other than regulating every single inch of your body and everything in your home, etc. One group of people are tethered to reality. The other group of people are tethered to make-believe and the West Wing. That was fiction. Just like this administration is fiction. Now, if you'd like to talk about it.
No, it's not the Friends Open. 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110-993. WBT. Speaking of infrastructure, um, get a load of this headline. Like, I don't know what to do with this headline. I, I, we're going to talk about the election stuff. If you want to respond to anything I've covered so far, please feel free to do it. But there's a whole lot of stuff going on all at the same time. Later on in the program, we'll be joined by Alex Marlowe from Breitbart News Daily. Uh, we're also going to be joined by Bruce Bechtel. So it turns out the DPRK, that's North Korea for, for folks uh, who may not know what the DPRK is. It's not some sort of a weird treatment. It is the Democratic People's Republic of Korea, the DPRK. They launched over the weekend, uh, congratulations to this administration, they launched a, a, a hypersonic vehicle, a hypersonic missile, a hypersonic vehicle that, that could really put us in jeopardy. And, and what are we doing? We're, we're ripping out the water heaters from your homes and, and changing out uh, your car and, and all that sort of stuff. The North Koreans, though, are, are, are playing with, with real fire. Bruce Bechtel's going to break that down for us. Uh, it's going to be a very compelling program, and it won't be complete without you, 704-570-1110. By the way, um, latest edition of my podcast, Devious Motives, just dropped in the last, what, uh, hour, half an hour or so. And it's a commentary from me uh, with some sound from last night and uh, breaking down what the uh, pathway forward is. And I give you the secret motivation that exists in this race. And it's an important motivation. And it's not something that the media is going to talk about because they they have their own template and they have their own POV that they're going to try to foist upon you. But there's there's a number of reveals inside the podcast. Many U.S. cities could empty out by 2100 and become ghost cities due to population drop. As we peer into the future of 2100, the landscape of nearly 30,000 cities in the United States may undergo substantial transformations a recent study predicts that almost half of these cities will experience population decline, losing between 12 to 23 percent of their residents by the century's end. These changes, influenced by both climate-driven natural forces and human responses, pose significant challenges that extend beyond city boundaries, according to Science Alert. The study suggests that the cities of the future are more likely to witness shifts in population dynamic, evolving into fractured, thinning, or sprawling communities. So there's a possibility that come 2100, 2100, 76 years from now, uh, our cities will seem different because of the climate change. As cities shrink and populations age, the potential consequences include grocery store closures, resulting in food Deserts, neglected infrastructure in dwindling towns, leaving communities without essential resources reminiscent of the water crisis of Jackson, Mississippi in 2021. Well, that's possible, but it's also possible it won't happen. It is possible space aliens could also come down and just wipe us all out. There's any number of things that could happen. Dr. Fauci could come in. With, with another iteration of uh, COVID and wipe everybody. I mean, there's a lot of stuff that can happen between now and then. We could get hit by, a, you know, a, an asteroid or a meteor 
We could have a volcano go off. There's a lot of stuff that could happen between now and 2100. But the fact of the matter is people in the future will be able to deal with that in the same way that we were able to deal with changes right here uh, in, in this period of time. Uh, suddenly, what, we're the only smart people that the people in the future won't be as smart as we are? They're going to have AI. They're going to have Terminators. You know, they're going to have all that stuff that you need to have uh, to have a functioning uh, uh, democracy. But, but the thing is, this is a microcosm of the fear factor that comes from people who want you more dependent on government. When they write articles like this, this is not to edify you or make you feel better. It's the opposite, obviously. It's to say to you, look at what we're doing. This is terrible. Be sure to show this to your seven-year-old so they can have nightmares and freakouts so we can build our future Greta Thunbergs and have them walk around fully panicked, weirded out, freaked out, all that sort of stuff. This is the problem. When government is the answer to everything, government is the number one problem when it comes to society because they're the only answer. You see, there's no way that somebody would possibly develop a new technology that could set up dams to stop you from having your communities uh, taken out. Well, geez, how, how did they build the dams? How did they build the walls around New Orleans? Somebody must have figured that out. Oh, yeah, 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 that's right. That's right. But it was the Works Progress Administration. It was FDR that put that together and only government can save you. No, that's not the answer. The answer is resiliency. The answer is believing that this country is great. The people are good and we mean well. That's the only three things you need to know about the United States of America. That is phrase those three things are what this country is about and it's powered by the people News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Woodable Show. Oh, look, the rest of the world is chiming in. The Hill, almost two-thirds of Canadians say U.S. democracy can't survive another Trump term. See, I'm just going to level with you here, okay? Uh, I, I think I think Trump has got this thing in the bag. I think Trump's going to actually win the election. Uh, I'm just curious to see who it is he's going to select as his vice president. You have a president right now uh, who is at a 30 percent approval number a 30 percent approval number and people are clamoring look at the chaos that's in our country right now you've got hamas uh, marchers uh, uh going in and intimidating people um at, at memorial sloan kettering in new york city yesterday that is a cancer hospital the hamas protesters went in and and tried to gate crash in new york city where people go to get treatment for cancer. They went to Harvard. They went to Columbia. They went to UPenn. They, they, they forced Jewish people to, to be locked down and not safe and study and all that sort of stuff. That is chaos. Now you have a group of people in the White House who are, are either ditching on the day or they are 
walking off the job to show solidarity with those same protesters. And Joe Biden will do nothing about it in the same way that Joe Biden will do nothing about the Houthis, who he let off the terror list. He he decommissioned them as terrorists. They are terrorists. They shot missiles into a ship yesterday, an American ship. Where is this guy? We don't have a secretary of defense. We haven't seen him in, in a month of Sundays. What is going on here? And now we're supposed to care that the Canadians, two-thirds of the Canadians, say the U.S. democracy can't survive another Trump term. So is the two-thirds the new touchstone to create crisis and paranoia and fear? Because remember, it was two-thirds of the people who voted yesterday in Iowa supporting Donald Trump who who don't believe that Donald that who don't believe that Joe Biden is the president. Joe Biden is, I assure you, Joe Biden is the president of the United States. I can assure you of that fact. I can contend it and I can assure you. I've seen him give speeches and I've seen him threaten uh, entire communities of people with his with his rhetoric saying that everybody uh, who's who supports uh, Trump or or supports the policies from Trump uh, are, are are MAGA terrorists, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So this is this is getting a little weird. A little weird. This is why I have said for a very long time, 30% of the population should not have anything to do with politics. 30% of the population should just sit home, watch Judge Judy, and, and eat frosted cookies on the couch. One right after another, right after another, right. Just eat a big old bag of iced cookies and, and, and just leave the politics to the people who understand what the issues are. And and that's really that simple. Uh, I, look, if you want to be a serious participant in the constitutional republic, in the democracy, because I'm trying to be, you know, ecumenical here, um, then that then stick to the issues we, we have got far too much conspiracy talk far too much loony kazuni talk going on out there that's a technical term from the political science class i once took loony kazuni from parts unknown and and here's the problem here's the problem okay when you don't take your duty seriously to protect the republic and stand by her and do the things that you need to do so that we can pass along this country to the next generations. And look, I understand. I understand you're angry, you're upset, you don't like the direction of things. Well, then you need to go and run for office yourself. You need to put your hands to work in some endeavor that is bigger than you. And, and I'm dead serious when I say this, because if all you're going to do is sit around and conspire and, and, and think that, you know, these these crises are opportunities to get out there and and, and, and upset the apple cart and all that, you, you need to get involved. You need to be a little busier. Get off the video game. Get off the TikTok. Get off all that stuff. Get out and engage people. Get out and engage them. You, we got one generation left that could save this country. We got one generation left that can save this country. You know what that generation is? Gen X. 
because we remember what it used to be like. We remember what the normalcy of America was like. We understood what boring campaigns uh, looked like, and we understood what the passionate campaigns looked like. We we understood what it meant to go to the Oval Office and not run the risk of of a uh, president sitting in there operating a cigar in an inappropriate fashion. We remember when the presidents and the candidates for president were boring and old, but you knew they were serious men and women. Geraldine Ferraro ran. We, we, we understand what that looks like. Now you're TikToking everything up. Quit TikToking the democracy. Quit TikToking the republic. You got all this TikToking going on and your reels and all that sort of stuff, and you're losing your reality. That's a huge mistake. This is why talk radio is more vital than ever before. This is why WBT is needed more than ever before. Because we are the pressure valve that can allow you to come in and be part of the discussion about the direction of the country. You can pick up the phone and you can call us at any time. We are live on the air for hours and hours and hours on end. And then you can call the Space Alien Show. Which has nothing to do with us. I mean, with me. But you can call the space aliens if you want. Talk to the space aliens. And, and, and you can get off my phone, you big dog. You can do all those programs that you want to do. But you have an opportunity to engage right here. And to be a part of the solution and not the goofy problems. Oh, 68% of people think Donald Trump uh, thinks that Joe Biden's not really the president. You know what? That ship sailed. That ship sailed, and everything changed on October 7th. Everything changed on October 7th, and we got to get our minds right, and we got to get our energy right, and we got to be committed. I'm telling you, Gen X is going to save this country. I'm not putting any other generation down, but Gen X will save this country because we understood what it was like during the Cold War and having those doubts and being worried and concerned that we might get uh, uh, destroyed overnight because someone pushed the wrong button fact of the matter is democracy and the republic they're do-it-yourself projects and it's going to be up to you to get motivated and get activated and it's going to be up to the people that don't want to be serious about the process to just stay home take a nap we'll wake you up when it's over News Talk 1110 WBT. All right, I love stories like this because it proves that we are still an amazingly great country, no matter what the media is going to tell you, okay? U.S. forces recovered Iranian warheads in a Navy SEAL mission gone awry. So yesterday there was this story that was moving that said that we had sent out a group of SEALs on a mission, um, and we didn't know where they went. Like, they disappeared, And I was texting a number of people about this going, did we just lose Navy SEALs like in the middle of this really rough neighborhood? What the heck happened? Well, no, here's what happened. U.S. forces recovered Iranian warheads in Navy SEAL mission gone awry. The U.S. military said the arms shipment, which was intercepted off the coast of Somalia, was destined for the militants in Yemen 
who have been attacking all the sh- all the shipping. American military personnel recovered Iranian-made missile warheads and related components during a shipboarding mission near Somalia last week that disrupted the weapons resupply of the militants in Yemen, but left two Navy SEALs lost at sea. A massive search and rescue operation is ongoing in the Arabian Sea, where the incident occurred on Thursday of last week. The SEALs moved to board the vessel described by officials as a Dow. That's one of those um, trading vessel boats that they that they use to, to smuggle stuff. The Dow uh, lacked proper identification and raised suspicion that it was smuggling arms. The Washington Post and other media previously reported Thursday's nighttime operation backed by helicopters and drones took place in rough seas when one of the SEALs slipped from a ladder while attempting to climb aboard the Dow. The second, having witnessed their comrade fall into the water, dove in to help, and officials have said both were swept away by powerful swells. Neither has been publicly identified. As rescue operations began, other troops carried out a search of the boat which had a crew of 14, according to a uh, Tuesday statement issued by U.S. Central Command. The statement draws a direct link to the weapons seizure and more than two dozen militant attacks emanating from Yemen since November. A spate of violence that has significantly disrupted commercial shipping in the Red Sea. So what's happening now is they you can't go through the Red Sea. You have to go all the way down to the Cape of Good Hope, which is the tip of South Africa, and then go around, which is adding a ton of money, and uh, it's it's adding a, a lot of a lot longer of, of a journey. Now the the Dow's crew was taken into custody. U.S. personnel sank the vessel, having deemed it unsafe. The seized items included Iranian-made ballistic and cruise missile warheads, propulsion and guidance systems, and air defense components. The initial analysis indicated that the weapons matched those that the who these, I know they're the Houthis, but I call them the Houthis, that the Houthis, a uh, group closely aligned with Iran that controls large swaths of Yemen, uh, have been using to target merchant ships. You know what I would do with these weapons? I would send these weapons, and I'm not joking, this is not a smart alecky comment. All these weapons that get seized, I would send them all to Ukraine. I would send them all to uh, to Zelensky and just be like, use all this Iranian garbage, use it up. Uh, it, it'll probably work. It's obviously working well enough for these Yemeni uh, maniacs that are trying to sink uh, ships. I, I would, I, I would just confiscate this stuff and send it over and, and let them let them deploy it against the Russians. The episode has underscored an enduring challenge. Facing the Biden administration and its international partners as they vow to hold the Yemeni Houthis and the group's chief backer, Iran, accountable for a steep rise in attacks that have significantly disrupted commercial shipping in the region. This has got to stop. There is an international right of navigation of the seas. Everybody has the right to use the seas to conduct commerce. And pirates need to be taken care of in the way we have taken care of pirates in the past. That is the ultimate fix. This is a problem. I want to know what ends up happening with these two seals. Have we lost them? Uh, Are we going to be able to get them back? What has happened 
We need to pray for these very brave men who do incredibly dangerous things in horrible parts of the world. But don't forget the original blunder, which was taking the Houthis off the terror list. This administration did it as one of their first decisions when it came to trying to placate the Iranian mullahs. And for that, you have seen an explosion of violence in this region. You know what else you've seen? Iranian attacks against Iraqi forces, Kurds, you name it. The Iranians are trying to strike out. And don't forget, we gave them $6 billion. We have a lot to answer for from this administration. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. We've got uh, breaking news taking place over on Audrey Street in East Charlotte. One person has been uh, killed, another hurt in a shooting. We will continue to monitor this story. No doubt it's going to have an impact uh, on traffic uh, as as well. So uh, you know, stay tuned for all those updates. Hugely important uh, to be safe uh, where you are. Uh, in addition, we're continuing to watch the uh, outcomes from Iowa with an eye towards New Hampshire. That's where the next uh, showdown is going to be. Nikki Haley making her way into into New Hampshire. Interestingly enough, uh, Ron DeSantis not going directly to New Hampshire, but instead going to South Carolina um, in the last hours. And uh, Donald Trump will be expecting to, to go up uh, to, to, North, to um, New Hampshire as well. So this is the next big fight. After that, it'll be... Um, It'll be the uh, the South Carolina race, and then we're on to Super Tuesday. So this is going to potentially shut down pretty quickly, and we'll wait and see how this plays out. Taking your reactions from last night's uh, decisions and obviously uh, your comments uh, as to how it is you're, you're feeling about this, uh, no matter which position uh, you're taking, 704-570-1110. We dropped a new Devious Motives uh, episode uh, earlier today, uh, it's there. It's over at WBT.com. You can uh, you can download it, and uh, we'll be putting them up uh, as we progress. It's unbelievable when you think about this. 293 days until the election. 293 days. So there'll be a whole lot of episodes that we will be uh, generating between now and then. Texas residents are right in the bullseye on this cold weather right now. And they have now been asked to avoid using large appliances such as washing machines to conserve energy as frigid temperatures threaten the state's power grid. They have a thing called ERCOT there, the Electric Reliability Council of Texas, which operates 90% of the state's electric load. They are urging residents to conserve energy ahead of tight conditions as bitterly cold conditions hit the Lone Star State uh, this past Monday. Nearly the entire state was under some form of a winter weather advisory, according to the National Weather Service. And now that storm has been moving um, eastward. And so we'll see how this goes and plays out. But, I mean, can you remember a time in your life when you, you were told not to not to be able to 
go and do, do laundry uh, when it was cold outside. This is the risk you face by setting up these massive energy grids that are uh, command and control. Uh, th- this, is, this is an unfortunate reality, but the climate changers, uh, the climatists, the climate changers are all about making sure you understand that your, your future, uh, your chores, none of that is, is your own anymore. You have got to reach out and, and ask whether or not John Kerry's going to let you wash your clothing or if you've got to go down to a creek and, and beat him on a rock. Not John Kerry. Not John Kerry. I'm not saying you have to go down to the, to the creek and beat John Kerry on a rock. That's not right. That's not right at all. We're talking about beating your shirts. You ever beat your shirts? You ever beat your pants? Yeah, let me tell you something. You beat your shirts, you beat your pants, you hit that stuff on the rock, boom, 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 out goes the dirt, you wring it out, you bring it in, you hang it in the, in, in the overhead by the shower, right there, you just you put it on the, on the wire rack, and you put it right over there and let it drip, drip, dry, and then when it dries, what's so comfortable and amazing is, is the crinkliness of the shirt, it's all stiff, so you beat your, you beat your shirt, you beat your pants, and then you put it on, and it's all it's all stiff and tight, and you no can't iron. No need for uh, starch or anything. You don't like need that. any starch. Right. You've been smacking it on a rock. All natural. I want to be clear. I'm not saying you're going to be smacking the country of Iraq. That's not. I don't want to be listed on some sort of a list for that. No, I'm talking about. I remember a time when you could actually wash your clothing. I remember a time when you actually could use your gas stove. Uh, I remember a time when you didn't have to plug in your car, but you could plug in a lawnmower. But now we plug in a car. Why, why, are we, why are we doing all of this? Gasoline is your friend. I mean, don't get too intimate with the gasoline, but gasoline is your friend. Gasoline is, is God's gift for energy. Come on. Can we find some common ground? Antifa likes the gasoline, usually in a beer bottle. But regular people like the gasoline in their car so that it can be utilized for energy. You know what they're coming for next, right? I, I, I talked about this about six months ago. They are coming. I'm telling you, they're coming for your generator. Yeah, the Biden administration doesn't like generators. You know why? Anybody want to guess why the Biden administration doesn't like generators? Because you're independent. See, you're independent. You can create your own power. That's a big deal. That's a big, big deal. You can actually uh, take care of your family. You can actually do all these sorts of things. Um, y- you know, it's a, it's, a, it's a scary reality here. Well, you get these terrible winter storms, and it's all because of climate change and global warming. Everybody knows global, global warming causes, causes cold weather. And so you have it kind of hedged both ways. If it's hot and you're losing your electrical grid, it's the global warming. If it's really cold and you're losing your ability to use the grid, it's the global warming. It's, it's really a catch-all for anybody who's concerned about this sort of stuff. Um, you know, it's, 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 it's one of these things with these gas-powered generators that, that they don't want to see because that's fossil fuels. You know, that, that, that's fossil fuels. We talked about this back in uh, September. Comer and Fallon probing Biden administration proposed rule to ban portable generators. Well, why, why, why am I not allowed to have a generator? 
Why am I not allowed to have a, a generator? But I know that three houses down from me, you know, some, somebody's got a grow house going using all the energy so they can uh, they can raise the wacky weed. I mean, come on now. I'm, I'm just trying to get my power working so that I can go and see who it was that won that game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. That's all I'm trying to figure out. 704-570-1110. I mean, that's, that's it. How, who, who won? Don't know. Do you want to know? I mean. Tommy, who won? News oh, Talk 1110-993. He just told me the games this weekend, Pam. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. Let's uh, jump out and talk to Paul. Paul, welcome to the program, sir. Hey, Brett. Thanks for taking my call today. I got a couple comments. Sure. I'm in and out of the car a lot during the daytime, so I don't have a chance to call. Yesterday I was listening to you. Um, and it was yesterday afternoon. And I was listening to the, 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 the scenario you were running through, and I'm like, he sounded like he's a conspiracy theory theorist, but uh, what you were saying, I'm spot on, so I guess I am too. But <laughs> when you brought up the uh, generators, I, you know, I really hadn't even thought about generators. I own a vacation house and my regular house, and yes, I have a generator at both places. Now, does that make me an environmentally unfriendly person because I've got a generator? I just don't, I don't find, I don't, I don't know how to connect the dots with where these people are going. Well, remember, they want every they want everything to be solar. They want everything to be powered by the sun, okay? Or or they, or the or, they, they, they want control, really. So yes, they, want, they do. They want to be able to control what I do whether I get in my car Correct. and Correct. go somewhere or stay at home. That's right. Now, now you you're not a conspiracy nut at all by any stretch, but go ahead, sir. No, I don't think I am, but in in the in the eyes of the liberal news media, I would mm-hmm. definitely be, but mm-hmm. But but I wear that proudly. Yes. Um, you know, with the, with the cold weather, we're the climate activists right now. I, I haven't seen them recently. I don't know if anybody else has seen them. But then I think about how the Republicans, somehow or another, we can't carry the message to the people, in my opinion. Point being made. If you have an electric car, you plug up to an outlet. Right. Somebody's got to show these folks where an outlet power comes from. <laughs> right. I, it might be as simple as drawing a cartoon and showing a coal plant that burns coal or, That's right. you know, fossil fuels or whatever. But we've got, as a Republican or, or a conservative group, whether you're Republican, independent, whatever, we've got to start demonstrating our side of the plan and not let the narrative be driven by the Democrats. Absolutely so, right. At 100%. I, I wonder if we shouldn't call the Democrats um, legislative terrorists. Because all <laughs> they want to do is, is say we're racist. And I, you know, and I, I think the thing you were talking about yesterday afternoon, it was it had something to do with race and, and MLK and the whole day. And I will sit here and tell you, I'm a 60-year-old guy. Uh-huh who went to first grade when schools were first integrated. In my eyes, I'm not a racist. I've always been involved mm-hmm. with all races that are in this society, but somehow I've gotten tagged that I'm a racist, and I just don't understand how we can't drive a narrative 
and we continue to let that negative narrative go. Okay. Thanks for taking my call this afternoon. You're very welcome, and I appreciate the call, Paul. And I don't think you're a racist at all. And I and and here's here's why I want to I want to bring this up because this is a very important point. You cannot ever be, and, and this is this goes for everybody. Okay, this I'm talking about every type of person. You cannot be pure enough with the approach that they get uh, on climate or on race or, or, or on redistribution of wealth or any of these sorts of things. You can never be pure enough for the elites to allow you to be left alone. All right. Now, there's a couple of stories that kind of marry at the same time here. One of the biggest mass migrations in American history has just happened in the last 10 years. Now, this is an important point, and it ties to energy, and it ties to race, it ties to everything, okay? There's an economist who crunched the numbers, and I'm not talking about migrants coming across the border into the United States. It's nothing to do with illegal immigration. This is about inside the United States. One of the biggest mass migrations in American history, economist says five million people have fled blue states in the last decade. Think about that. Think about that. A lot has been reported about celebrities. Joe Rogan moves out of California. Sylvester Stallone moved out of California. Um, uh, Marky Mark moved out of California, moved to Vegas. Um, these are people who are fleeing. Gene Simmons moved out, but then he moved back in because he said he was offended by what he saw going on in Vegas. Like Vegas was too much. He wanted to go back to Beverly Hills. So that, that, was, that was what he said. Um, during a recent interview with, uh, with uh, Steve Moore, good friend of the show, we have him on from time to time, uh, Steve Moore, comes on and talks about this and says, listen, you have got a massive number of people who have fled. And the states that are getting hit the hardest, Illinois, New York, California, and New Jersey. People are fleeing those states. Why? Taxes. Taxes. All right. California is a prime example. This is, this, is, this is a problem. California just adopted a brand new tax increase highlighting that the state's top income tax rate has risen to 14.4%. And that's designed to go after millionaires. Well, you can hate the millionaires and you can hate the billionaires and you can hate all of them for whatever reason you want. But remember, these are people that operate businesses. These are people that run companies. These are people that own multiple companies. And if it becomes hostile territory, they'll move their business to a place where the, 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 the money is going to be respected. See, the states are really where these laboratories need to be fought out with, okay? It's not a federal issue. It shouldn't be a federal issue. Generators and energy, every state should have the right, should demand the right to develop their own energy supplies that meets the needs of the people in a given place. You think about a dense state, a state that's very dense like Florida, New York. It's not as dense as it once was because people are fleeing. Uh, you think about the area around Washington, D.C., Virginia, Maryland. Um, you, you think about these places. 
They need to create their own energy that allows them to provide for their citizens, not their residents, their citizens. And the federal government has no say over this, should have no say over this. But the feds believe that they get to regulate your energy supply. Why? Why does it matter to Joe Biden or why does it matter to John Kerry or why does it matter to to Vi Lyles um, if I have a generator at my house? It's none of your business. Just like it's none of your business to know what kind of firearms I have in my home, what, what kind of safe I have in my home, what I keep in my personal effects in my home. That's none of your business. It's none of your business. States are the preeminent institutions in this country, not the federal government. As you heard yesterday, the federal government is the referee. It's the referee among the states. Yes, it's responsible for being able to make war. And yes, it's responsible for for immigration and things like that. But that's about all the states are supposed to be involved with. Everything else, including commerce, needs to be managed by the people. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Witterville Show. Uh-oh. Wait till you find out what's coming in the next 10 years. I know you're not going to believe it, but you have to. It's mandatory. It's from Oxfam. Oxfam. I wonder why they're concerned about this story I'm going to share with you in just a little bit. Let's grab some calls with David first up. David, welcome to the program. Yes, thank you. Thank you for calling. I just wanted to make a short comment. Money goes really where it's best treated. Yep. So businesses are going to go where their investments are best treated. Mm-hmm. By that mean, by that I mean least taxed. Yes. And less managed by government policies. Yep. That's right. What we're seeing now is that everybody's looking for a free ride, and the government's the only source for that. But the the odd thing is that when we look for that free ride, we're going to get taxed more for it. Yes. That's going to run away those people who are good sources of employment and better income. That's so right. the only answer to all of that is to buck up, get get to work, make your own living, and hold government responsible for taking as little of it as possible. That's right. That's that's spot on. A great point, David. And I would add one thing to it. Just one little tiny thing. People will go where they're best treated as well. Not just the money, but the people will go where they are well treated. Mm. That is so true. (laughs) Great, great stuff. Thanks. Thank you so much for calling, sir. I really appreciate uh, hearing from you today. You're welcome. Yeah, you're very welcome. That's David. This is Chris. Chris, welcome to the program. Chris. Chris. Chris going once, twice, three times. No, Chris. You can call back, Chris, if you want. Okay. Warner, warning, trigger alert. This is going to be a trigger alert for some of you people. The world's first trillionaire could be seen in the next 10 years, according to Oxfam. So let's uh, let's get our numbers right. So um, a, a millionaire is a millionaire. A billionaire is is a 1,000 millionaire, right? It's a 1,000 millions is a billionaire. And so a trillionaire is a million 
bill, a, mil, a million billions? A million millions. A million millions is a trillionaire. Think about, think about all the NFL franchises you could buy with a trillion dollars. I mean, you could just walk in and be like, I'll take all of them. Let me write you a check. I mean, that's, that's what it is. Um, so there's a concern, and you're probably wondering why. An anti-poverty advocacy group is predicting that the world could see its first trillionaire in the next decade as the wealthy's gap with the poor continues to widen. You know what this means. You know what this means. Elon Musk is going to be the first trillionaire. You know he is. He's going to invent something else. He's going to make some other thing that everybody's got to have. You know that's coming. Okay, so Oxfam International released a report on Sunday that predicts a trillionaire could emerge over the next 10 years. While it would take 230 years to end poverty. The report said that the world's five richest people have more than doubled their fortunes since 2020. But five billion people have become poorer in the same period. You know what this means. Well, let me continue. Through squeezing workers, dodging tax, privatizing the state, and spurring climate breakdown, corporations are driving inequality and acting in the service of delivering ever greater wealth to their rich owners. To end extreme inequality, governments must radically redistribute the power of billionaires and corporations back to the ordinary people. Do I have to do this explanation? I, I have to do this explanation. I know I have to do this explanation. So since 2020, billionaires have become 34% richer as their wealth grows three times the inflation rate. The report noted that seven out of the 10 largest publicly listed corporations have billionaire CEOs or a billionaire principal shareholder. The total value of those companies, $10.2 trillion. The report noted that men have $105 trillion more wealth than women, which is more than four times the size of the U.S. economy. It also found that, the US, that in the U.S., a typical black family's household wealth is just 15.8% of a white family's wealth. Well, so how do we, how do we then... How do we then redistribute the money? How does that happen? How do you redistribute the, 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 the money? How? Um, what do we do? We go, we go grab all the money out of the bank and hand it out to people. Right? Um, is, 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 that, is that what we need to do? Is that how we handle the... the hmm. Okay, so like, let's say we go. How much? Anybody know how much Elon Musk is worth? I think he's worth like a hundred uh, billion dollars, something like that. Something in that neighborhood, hundred billion dollars. So, like, let's say we go to Elon Musk, and uh, you got a, You got a net worth? Is it a hundred billion? Two hundred and thirty billion dollars. Okay, two hundred and thirty billion dollars. Okay, it's perfect analogy. So. $230 billion. That means we could distribute uh, to 230 people a billion dollars each, right? And wipe out all the wealth 
that Elon Musk ha Oh, but wait a minute. Hold on. He's not $230 billion liquid. He doesn't have $230 billion $1 bills in a, in a safe. He has companies. He has businesses. He has interests. Well, what are we going to do about this? All right, we're going to liquidate all of his companies. The Boring Company, the uh, uh, Twitter Company, X, uh, the uh, Tesla Company. We're going to liquidate all of that. But once we liquidate that, all those people are going to be out of work and they're going to be poor. And, and we're not going to have those services available anymore. That's going to be a real problem. So how are we going to do that? How are we going to liquidate this? How are we going to distribute all this money? Well, the way you do it is you stop teaching the nonsense at schools and teach people about wealth accumulation. Teach people about the value of hard work. Th think about this, folks. It's really not hard to understand. It is not difficult to understand. You, you want to know something that's incredible? I know we're due for a break. You know, the richest person in history, the richest person in history came from Africa. Mansa Musa, Mali's king, the richest person who ever lived, estimated value, $400 billion. $400 billion. And what happened to him? He still died. And people took his stuff. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. Jeff, welcome to the program. What's on your mind, Jeff? Redistribution is literally a teachable moment. Yes. You go to a classroom, you say, okay, some of you made A's, some of you made F's. You know what? We're mm -hmm. going to give the A's, C's, and the F's, C's, so mm -hmm. everybody is equal. Mm -hmm. Literally, you could teach children that, and they would rebel against redistribution. You could say in the NFL, you scored a touchdown, okay, well, we've got to give the other team a touchdown. The Panthers would be 500. The Ravens would be 500. You know, it's literally a teachable Okay, moment. but wait, wait, wait. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to jump on that point that you just raised. Because you don't, we don't reward great teams. We reward terrible teams. And, and we allow horrible teams draft, to draft the best players in the, in, in the NFL. So isn't that redistribution, too? That's, um, I don't see that as redistribution because you're not taking – necessarily something away from the team that's successful you're not taking their players away from them mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um so i don't see that as a as a redistribution i do see that as uh more like a progressive tax ah, you know, yes. if you do something like that that's uh okay you know that i, I you know what you're right i i'm i'm gonna I'm, I'm buying in on your take there um do you think if you were a teacher i don't know if you're a teacher or not but if you were a teacher do you think you would get blowback if you went into a classroom and taught kids about the evils of redistribution? Uh, if if the kids have uh, just a modicum of common sense, yes. Yeah, but I see. I think I think we you would you would have parents complaining because you know you got these socialist types and stuff that want you know that want to believe that everything is is you know got to be equal and stuff. Nobody is gifted with e with equal skills. 
You know, nobody only get, you're only gifted with equal opportunity. That's correct. That's exactly right. Everybody can. I mean, you don't, you may not have the money, but everybody can buy stock in the stock market. They can buy a stock in the stock. It's available. It's a marketplace. Skills are a marketplace. All of these things are marketplaces. And instead, you get these groups like Oxfam who say, well, there's a risk of a trillionaire happening in the next 10 years. Well, how do we know there's not already a, tr- a trillionaire out there? Maybe a Saudi prince, right? I mean, it's, it's entirely possible that they're already there. And who cares? That's just a chance to spend more money in charity, I think, you know? One one last thing on a teachable moment. Wasn't there, I don't know which school system it was, when the kids brought in those that had notebooks and pencils and things that all their stuff was confiscated, put up, and then people would come up and the kids would come up at the end and pick up just what they need. But everybody that bought stuff and brought in their supplies, it was put at the front of the classroom for the for all the kids to feed off of. Oh, that's good. I didn't realize That's it. a teachable moment. That is also a teachable. Yes, it is. It is a teachable moment. That's absolutely right. Great stuff. I appreciate, I appreciate you. you Thank, Thank you, buddy. You. Thank you so much. I mean, the, the, the notion, the notion that you should care what somebody else has is absurd to me. It's absurd to me. There, there are people who make tons and tons and tons of money. And there are people who don't make any money. And you know what? There are people who don't make any money and they're happy. And you have people who have billions and billions of dollars and they're miserable. Like all money is, is a measure of value that you've either created or inherited or built or invested. That's all it is. Think about it this way. How many eggs are in your neighbor's refrigerator right now? So what if you found out that they had 30 eggs in their refrigerator right now? Would you ever go into their house and confiscate a third of the 30 eggs? Would you be like, hey, I'm taking 10 of your eggs because I only have six eggs. So I'm coming into your house and I'm taking 10 of your eggs. So I have 16 and you have 20. That's what we're doing. That's what the politicians offer up every day. I will go and shake down your neighbors for tax dollars. Walter Williams used to talk about this all the time. He he used to say the reason when I was working with him with Rush, he would say the reason why the reason why you had sheriffs in the early parts of, 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 of American civilization was because if you went over to somebody's house and tried to confiscate their money or their property, you'd get shot. So you ended up having to send a sheriff or a tax collector or a, a, a bureaucrat to go next door and get your get the stuff from your neighbor so that it could then be redistributed out there into the rest of the marketplace. Now, it's not a perfect analogy, but that's why we have a Congress. That's why we have a Senate. It's why you have a president. Because you can't go into your neighbor's house and take 10 of their eggs out of the refrigerator because they're probably going to punch you. Or, or laugh at you or call the cops on you for, for, for stealing. But you know who can? Bernie Sanders, AOC, Lil Dick Durbin, Big Dick Blumenthal. I mean, all these senators, all these congressmen, they can go and do it. 
They just they pass a law. Joe Biden signs it. And now guess what? Yeah, you got to give us another 28 percent of your income for the month. That's how it's going to be because we all voted on it. Isn't that crazy? Like, isn't that like absolutely absurd? It is. 704-570-1110. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Back after this. Talk 1110-993-WBT. We are now in a new time, in a new place. And I got some chills, because it's cold out there, my friend Beth Troutman. It's cold out there. It's going to be cold. Not cold like it was in uh, in in Iowa, but it is going to be cold in New Hampshire, and the fight is going to... Just roll right into the, uh, to the to the Granite State. Your your thoughts on what we saw last night and what we can expect moving forward? Well, you know, I think the thing that was exciting for the Trump uh, team and for Trump supporters is that he did get over 50 percent. Um, sadly, only 14 percent of voters turned out, which I think the cold weather, as you were just mentioning, probably played a role in that. And the fact that the, the Iowa caucuses require time and effort and dedication and 14 percent, the people who did show up are the people who want to sit and talk about these candidates. They want to have their voices heard and they wanted to be part of the process. Um, you know, it, Ron DeSantis was uh, a long shot for second place. He was certainly far behind Donald Trump, but um, a lot of people might not know that he spent a lot of time focused on Iowa and used the same team of people for the Iowa caucus that Ted Cruz used back in 2016. Um, And Ted Cruz was effective in 2016 and surprised people and outperformed. And using those same tactics, I think that Ron DeSantis was hoping to outperform Although he did come in second place, he was only about a percentage point ahead of uh, of Nikki Haley. And heading into uh, New Hampshire, he hasn't really spent time or or money or energy in New Hampshire. And we talked about this this morning when you were on our show, Brett. Mm-hmm. Um, he's going to really focus on South Carolina next. Nikki Haley has an interesting opportunity in in New Hampshire. She is polling just a few percentage points, according to the latest poll, behind Donald Trump. He was at 39 percent. She was around 32 percent as a poll that I saw come out today. And with um, the with the the momentum that she has going into that state, the support of the governor of New Hampshire and the fact that independents can vote in that primary she might, she might, we we could see a victory for her in New Hampshire, a slight victory that gives her momentum going into South Carolina. But South Carolina is a more important state, I think, for her than, than anybody, um, including Ron DeSantis, because she was the governor there. And, right. and having... Have, losing in that state would, I think, be uh, a hard thing to spin. It would be a hard story to navigate if she loses to Donald Trump or to Ron DeSantis in the state that she ran as the executive. So we've got a lot. What's so great now is that we can officially say that the 2024 campaign yes. is in motion. <laughs> we have the we have the presidential election cycle in motion. The horses are out of the gate. We are running the the, the track now and 
it's no longer something that we're looking at. We're in it. Um, that probably feels, I, I don't know if it feels the same for you. It feels good to me that now we're officially in it and we yeah. can talk about things yes. in real terms, mm-hmm. not in speculation. So let me, let me ask you a question because I was listening to Pete earlier today and he was speculating about a particular angle on this. Do, do you think, and I don't, I, I, I'm just asking, like, I, I don't know what the answer is. Yeah, yeah, do, yeah. Do you think that Trump and Nikki Haley have struck a, uh, a Faustian bargain to work together um, to dispatch DeSantis and then maybe create a package ticket? Can you see them working together as a, a team uh, in that regard? Uh, I could see... Okay, so here, here in, in thinking about this as an idea, I could see this as a real benefit for Donald Trump, having um, yep. Nikki Haley as his mm-hmm. uh, running mate, because right now she's considered the more moderate of the Republican candidates. She's a woman. She's a woman of color. She is a woman who was a you know, former governor of a southern state, um, an important uh, state to, to people. Um, she could be someone who helps him in a race against Biden if they were head to head. I don't know that it's necessarily beneficial for Nikki Haley mm-hmm. on on the other side, on the flip side of the coin. So the question would be, what would what what comes out of it for her? Does you know does she end up? You know, four years from now, being um, someone like a Mike Pence, mm-hmm. who has been you know discarded as as someone who was disloyal, you know, based on what happened on January the sixth, and does it end up hurting her political career? Because we certainly couldn't, you know, Mike Pence couldn't get his presidential campaign off the ground uh, as he started campaigning in you know the the summer of twenty twenty three. I don't know if she's if she would want to come in uh, and be part of his lame duck presidency, and then would she see success in 2028? Because we obviously know that she wants to be president. Right. Or would she be too tied uh, to Donald Trump to regain the trust of the the people like the moderate Republicans and the independents who are supporting her now that might end up being not uh, it, it might end up being detrimental to her in 2028 if she wants to succeed and i've kind of said this all along if i were a republican strategist if i were able to wave a magic wand and say hey if we really want conservative policies for us an extended period of time then you know go with the the younger candidates who can serve two consecutive terms and have powerful vp candidates or vps with them who then can who can serve two more consecutive terms and get nearly two decades of conservative policies in place um I don't know if that happens if uh, if Nikki Haley is is his VP, but it wouldn't surprise me if they had that conversation. We obviously know that Nikki Haley works well with Donald Trump. She sure. uh, worked well with him when she was, you know, the UN uh, the UN ambassador, and she's also somebody who's not afraid to speak to him and speak against him right. if you know she disagrees with a policy or an idea. I don't know if he necessarily wants that though. I think. He, uh, in his second term, I think might want someone who is uh, more willing to go along with what he says and what he does. And we know that very much by the people that he is surrounding himself with now as um, as a candidate and the people who, who worked with him right. that did speak out against him that he is not bringing back and who have also said they would not 
work for him again. Sure. So you've got an interesting, you have an interesting dynamic. But Mick Mulvaney said this on our show uh, months ago, that whoever it is that he asked to be his running mate should have a conversation with Mike Pence. Going to be interesting. Going to be interesting to see how this is going to play out. Um, great stuff. What, what do you got coming up on the show tomorrow? Well, tomorrow we have Charlotte's most beloved, uh, John Hamm. Oh, sorry. No. <laughs> it's, not it's okay. It's Wednesday. Tomorrow we have someone who might not be Charlotte's most beloved, <laughs> but people really like him or dislike him. We have the governor, Pat McCormick. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. On the show in the 9 o'clock hour. And plus more of, you know, gas like this. So tune in if you want to smile. <laughs> it's great stuff. Hey, I appreciate it. We, we've been going full tilt here for, for a number of days. So great stuff there, uh, uh, Beth Troutman. And I appreciate you being here today, my friend. Thank you so much. Thank you, my friend. You got it. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It is the Brett Winterful Show, 704-570-1110. Grab this call. Mark is up next. Mark, welcome to the program. Oh, thank you for taking it. Uh, so now um, Nikki Haley is... Uh, a lady of color. Uh, where did you hear that? Uh, we just heard it say. Okay. She, well, she said, I, I, I'll play you. I'll play you a clip. Okay, I'm going to play you a clip. Oh, this is a clip. This is this is a clip from uh, from last night on MSNBC. Joy Reid was uh, part of the anchoring uh, team uh, uh, for the coverage of the uh, results last night, and this is what Joy Reid said about Nikki Haley last night. It's the elephant in the room. She's still a brown lady that's got to try to win in a party that is deeply anti-immigrant and which accepts the notion that you can say immigrants are poisoning the blood of our country. She's getting, you know, birthered by Donald Trump. Um, and I don't care how much the donor class likes her, which will ramp up a lot, the better she does in New yes. Hampshire. So it's still a challenge. I don't see how she becomes the nominee of that party with Donald Trump still around. I can't picture it happening. Maybe it could happen. Ron DeSantis's only argument for staying in it is he's the white guy that he can still make the appeal to white so that's that was the topic last night uh during the uh during the coverage that was so well put and and, and i got a memo on talk radio today that was a little different than that but that was amazing chris Sununu, i know i knew his dad john very well mm -hmm. and um really liked him until he was trying to call it also and I can't believe that. <laughs> I yeah. just can't. Well, that's that's what you got, man. I mean, this is this is this is what you have happening out there uh, in, in this regard. And here's what's interesting: <laughs> Nikki Haley was born in the United States, so it's like this whole anti-immigrant. Well, she's not an immigrant. I mean, she's not an immigrant. <laughs> she's an American who was the governor of South Carolina. I mean, as quick as, as quick as I can, my grandpa Tony came over. And uh, he couldn't spell his last name, and he he didn't get Caval, which what's his name, his birth name, and it was Neville. He got the two L's and an E, and uh, other than that, we we missed the other vowels and consonants. Yeah. And uh, sitting at his place uh, back when a, a white heterosexual and you might want to hang up could could own a house in Palmetto Beach, and uh, a heterosexual. I'm sorry. 
Okay. But, uh, and I said to Gravitoni one night, I said, um, my uncle's bomb Italy in World War II. I said, Grandpa, how could you allow your sons to bomb Italy, my uncle? He said, we're Americans. No, right, 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 right. That's it. That's it. That's it. That's 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 that that was a commonly held uh, term in, in that regard. In fact, I I have I have uh, Italian heritage in my in my family. I I have Irish. I have Italian heritage, and uh, I asked my grandfather about that because my grandfather was in World War II, and uh, he he had to go in front of the board, and he was Italian, and they asked him. Do you have any objection to going to Italy and fighting uh, on that front? He ended up going to Asia, not to Italy. But he said to the uh, to the people that were asking him the questions, he said, I don't know those people. I'm, I'm an American. Uh, my family's Italian, but I don't know anybody who's over there. And uh, I'm going to defend the United States of America. I mean, that's 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 a very old school kind of mentality that people talked about back then. Um, when, when they would they would encounter that kind of stuff. But here's the thing, right? Everything that Joy Reid just laid out is 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 180 degrees out of phase because Nikki Haley was elected in the South Carolina governorship. So what's the issue? There's no issue. This is this is. I warn people all the time, be careful with what you consume, whether it's CNN or MSNBC, ABC, NBC or CBS, because they sit down in the meetings. I've been in the meetings. They sit down in the meetings and they craft the narrative of the day. And that that narrative of the day is the thing that's going to get people the most outraged or concerned or that sort of stuff. They cannot, they congenitally cannot play it straight. And it's, it's just the darndest thing I've ever seen. Um, And it's maddening. And, and it is, uh, it is maddening. All right. Coming up here in a few minutes, we're going to have Alex Marlowe on from uh, Breitbart.com. Uh, he, he has written like the most authoritative book on the Biden family. Uh, he is going to join us uh, for a conversation about the, uh, the the election last night. I'm going to um, pick his brain uh, about what it's looking like when you consider what's happening uh, into New Hampshire and then South Carolina and then into Super Tuesday. want to get his thoughts on that. Uh, and, and he's got a, a big announcement about his book as well. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. It's the Brett Witterbull Show. Happy to welcome to the program somebody I always uh, love catching up with. Alex Marlowe is Breitbart News Editor-in-Chief. Alex is the author of two New York Times bestsellers, Breaking the News, which comes out in paperback January 16th, contains groundbreaking details of how corporate America colluded with Democratic politicians to prevent Trump from winning the election in 2020. And his second book, Breaking Biden, uncovers the forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family and his administration. Alex Marlowe, good to have you back on the show, my friend. 
Thanks, Brett, for reaching out. I appreciate it. Yeah, Breaking the News is being re-released today. I, it came out a couple of years ago originally, but mm-hmm. the material with regards to election interference, election meddling by the corporate establishment in this country, uh, I don't think is very well understood. So for no, for uh, many other reasons, uh, at a minimum, I think that's a good enough reason to, to go pick it up. I think it's for three dollars or something on Amazon now, something ridiculously low. So uh, I don't know what the what the math is on that because uh, I think I'm getting a, I think I'm getting a good deal on that one based on uh, how sales have gone. But it's a, it's a good book, and thanks for plugging it. No man, I'm I'm happy to do it. And let me just say something about this, uh, or ask you a question about that about that specific issue. And it's this: Do you feel like we've gotten a good enough handle on this so it will not happen again in this upcoming election? No, no, I don't. That's specifically the right question to ask, because of all of the things that I think we fixated on in the 2020 election, and there is some major concerns about election integrity, it feels like we spent an inverse amount of time proportionally with what's a real threat and where we actually chose to, to allocate our resources. Um, you know, Dominion voting machines, uh, Venezuelan-owned servers being <laughs> operated in Germany, controlled by Chinese company. All that was totally bogus, non-issues. And uh, it was, I'm, I'm not saying you can't ask questions, but none of it proved to be worth anything. Uh, but there were some major, major concerns, particularly with tech manipulation, yep. where Google does not allow for information negative uh, about Joe Biden to get to their front page. Twitter censoring a laptop from hell. Mark Zuckerberg's ballot boxes and the way he's diminished the reach of stories that are negative about Joe Biden in this country. All of that stuff has not been dealt with at all, not to mention all of these voting rules that were put in place ostensibly for the coronavirus, which were worthless then. They're still in place now. So, no, I'm not at all concerned, which is why I'm excited for the re-release of the book. Yeah, look, this is this is incredible. And by the way, you have a tremendous group of, of reporters who work uh, with you, uh, who, who also uh, do Breitbart News Daily. Um, a- a- Emma Jo Morris is, is a real rock star who was instrumental in, in blowing wide open that, uh, that laptop, uh, the, the laptop from hell. I mean, it's just absolutely, there, was so, there were so many huge stories that have come out through Breitbart over the years, and especially in these uh, in, in these troubled times uh, that, that it's a it's a destination that people need to go to Breitbart.com uh, your reaction last night to what we saw in Iowa are, are you are you optimistic what's your sense today with an eye towards heading to New Hampshire yeah, you know, uh, to be honest with you, once I turned over on the MSNBC and I noticed that Joy Reid is now copying Donald Trump's haircut, I, I knew it was going to be a good night. Um, for any of you who have seen, she is now sporting the bowl cut with the dyed blonde, and it just is clearly an homage to Trump. And I, I, I knew that meant that it was going to be it was going to be big for MAGA country. Uh, but it, it, in all seriousness, it, it, it was. A really good moment for Breitbart because we haven't misled our audience in that telling them that there was some sort of a really tight race that was going to happen, that Trump was under some sort of a deep threat, uh, that Trump was under some sort of obligation to participate in the debates. Uh, None of it was true. And all that came to fruition yesterday, where people showed up in the cold in a beautiful act of democracy, bringing their voter IDs, voting on the same day, and they voted overwhelmingly for Donald Trump. So that's always going to be the case, regardless of what you think of the former president. I'm, I'm a fan of his. 
But even if you didn't like them, this was always how it was going to shake out. Ever since the deep state, Joe Biden's deep state, Mm -hmm. started rummaging through Melania's underwear in order to find state secrets, it was over. The primary was over. And unless they cheat, the general election's over, too. All right. So this this brings us to a very important uh, component here. Um, Does lawfare kind of fade away? Uh, The Supreme Court, will they get involved? Uh, Jack Smith continues to to be held up as uh, as as St. Jack Smith uh, as as a result of of the effort that he's trying to do to put to put Donald Trump in jail. How how does how do these cases all kind of stack up? And I mean, look, have you have you heard of the thing that's gone on with Fannie uh, Willis, by the way? Mm -hmm. I mean, what 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 about all this, uh, Alex? Yeah, you know, the, the Fannie Willis one is, is pretty interesting because uh, it, it feels like uh, that the allegations of fraud and potential legal ethics violations uh, deserve an investigation, either by the governor or the attorney general of Florida or, the, or their state bar. Um, but it's got to be investigated. And if you're Governor Kemp and you appoint an independent investigator, I mean, I think it's sort of a no-brainer to do that. He's going to look like an idiot if that doesn't happen. So I'm pretty optimistic that that's going to happen. And uh, so there could be some pushback here. But it's interesting to note the perspective of the Global Times, which is the resident propaganda outlet for the CCP. And we start every morning at Breitbart reading the Global Times. And if you do, you would have saw their take on what happened yesterday is that Trump is inevitable. Mm -hmm. He's so much stronger than the the Republican field. He's also much stronger than Joe Biden. They think the biggest threat to Trump, or at least this is what they're printing in their propaganda, so take it with a grain of salt. But they're saying the courts are his biggest threat right now. The only thing that's going to stop Donald Trump is the courts. Now, I don't know if I believe that. Mm -hmm. I'm not an attorney. So I don't honestly, I'm not the best person to ask him how much jeopardy is Donald Trump at this time. But that's a pretty stunning thing to think about, that that could be Trump's biggest threat is simply could the the lawfare weaponized legal system be the thing that keeps him out? Uh, visiting with uh, Alex Marlowe uh, from Breitbart News Daily, executive editor of Breitbart News Daily, and uh, a, a tremendous uh, asset to uh, us uh, being able to, to catch up with him. Uh, final question for you. And, and uh, look, I understand this is a parlor game. Uh, it, it could be anything, anybody, what, whatever. Um, do you have any indication, because this this has sort of been buzzing around uh, a, a little bit, Uh, Do you believe that Nikki Haley would be considered as a vice presidential pick uh, for Donald Trump? What is your sense of what that second chair would look like with the inevitability issue that you've raised? Yeah, I think 100 percent she's going to get considered. Uh, The people with money in the Republican Party and in the Republican establishment who can make Donald Trump's life significantly easier are going to say that she is the number one choice to be the vice president. So I'm deeply concerned about this. I'll tell you, Brad, I spent a couple hours with the former president a couple weeks ago Mm -hmm. in Mar-a-Lago, and most of the time I'm there. I'm listening to him, but he asked you a lot of questions, and you have the opportunity to volunteer some stuff. The only point I wanted to make to him was how terrible it would be for his movement if Nikki Haley is his vice president, because he's got a chance to be broader than a than than an American politician, but to be this sort of global figurehead that could last for a long time. And I think she's a real impediment to that legacy. She represents all of these issues mm-hmm. that not only his voters, but the American people don't want anything to do with. 
the mind elite choosing our leaders, the uh, open borders. Maybe men can be women. Um, we need to fight in more wars. We need to get have military confrontations with people like Putin. None of this stuff is popular at all, and I don't know why that he would consider her other than the fact that the donor class is going to insist that he does. Great stuff uh, to, to, to think about here. Obviously, we've got a lot of real estate between now uh, and then, and, and we're going to see how this all plays out. Um, uh, Alex Marlowe, it's wonderful to catch up with you to get your uh, perspective on this. And again, I want to encourage everybody, get out there and, and get that, uh, that, that copy of uh, Breaking the News, which has come back out. It's uh, groundbreaking details about how corporate America colluded with the Democratic politicians to prevent Trump from winning in 2020. And of course, you must own Breaking Biden, which uncovers the forces and secret money machine behind Joe Biden, his family and his administration. Uh, all the best to you. I look forward to catching up with you across this cycle, uh, Alex, and it's a real pleasure to have you on the program today, my friend. Brad, always good to catch up, and thanks to you for whatever you fill in for us on our morning show. We certainly enjoy it. It's a, it's a real pleasure. News Talk 1110, 99.3 WMET. It is the Brett Witterville Show. All right, coming up in the next hour, Dr. Bruce Bechtel's going to come by. Tell us about this hypersonic weapon that the North Koreans have apparently developed. Let's talk to Ram. Ram, welcome to the program. Brett, love your show. Uh, And I'm calling in uh, to talk about what you were discussing about the results from yesterday's Iowa caucus. Yes, sir. And I'm 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 a naturalized U.S. citizen. I haven't voted yet. This is the first time I'll be voting. Oh, congratulations. uh, yeah, thank you, and I'm 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 all in for for voting for anyone uh, the Republicans to, uh, decide to select as their candidate. Right? Sure. I I have I have not yet gone to any any of their primaries yet, uh, but but I I would love to. Having said that, there are there are two things or three things that I would want to talk about. One sure. number one is the the. Uh, your your bit on joy somebody joy from MSNBC they yes. um, talking about anti immigrant right what i thought they meant was they were trying to portray the entire republican party as being anti immigrant mm-hmm. what they don't realize and what perhaps doesn't get highlighted much is that republicans are not anti immigrant they are anti illegal immigrant right that mm-hmm. is something that needs to be highlighted and underlined yep and brought more correct because i i know myself i have been being an immigrant and i got legalized under presidency of donald trump i mean who, who better can tell wow right wow so 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 yes that number one i mean they are anti illegal immigrant which is fair every country should be protecting its borders and and not allowing illegal immigrants into the country right so that is number one the other thing which i feel very strongly about is yes trump was a good president he was not a politician he is still not a politician and poor guy got got caught up with all kinds of wrong political people up in dc had he been much had he acted as a true politician he wouldn't have had all of these legal troubles he's going through under right because he he talks everything uh, straight face and and calls a spade a spade, which which is not done political in the political world, right? Sure. I I feel in 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 the larger good of the country, he only has four years as as a president, right? Mm, I mean, right. he cannot stand for another term. He cannot run for eight years. 
what will happen is the moment trump gets the ticket for republicans all the leftists will rally behind joe biden and there is a very very clear i mean possible i mean it's it's it, it is it is a very dangerous possibility that republicans might lose the house and the senate uh, because uh, you have trump being so popular on the presidency and and that is the most scariest thing that that comes to my mind because the moment that happens and even uh, even if the republicans lose the house they will start impeaching him from day one like what they did last time right and mind you next time you don't you have a democrat it's going to be uh, the, the california governor and he, and they are going to make sure that he's going to get in for eight years yeah so and and and, and the country cannot afford eight more years of 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 democratic rule because what currently trump is going through in terms of his legal troubles is what obama did uh, for 8 years planting yes. all his uh, judges around the country that's right and that's what he's dealing with right now and and for uh, the the conservatives to change that we need a 8 year or 8 year president not a 4 year president and and i i i i love trump but then He's not a eight-year guy right now. So who would you, so who who would you go for right now? You would you does it does it not matter whether it would be Haley or if it would be I I would no Haley Haley is 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 for in in my eyes she is moderate to ten uh, percent left. Uh-huh. I don't I don't consider her conservative uh, at all. I mean, looking at what he talks, she is like a uh, 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 Kamala Harris. Uh, on 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 the twenty percent uh, right side. I mean, yeah. uh, Kamala Harris. The moment she opens her mouth, I mean, uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, I, I I can't I can't say anything more than that. It's it's public radio right now. So so but so then, so are you are you thinking DeSantis? Is that is that? I or? would think I would think uh, it it should be DeSantis. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it shouldn't be um, because he 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 is he is he has the ability to take tough decisions, and he has the ability to push through. Uh, the agenda of 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 a conservative uh, more than what what Nikki Haley does, and I would think for for a, for a VP choice, it should be Vivek Ramaswamy because anybody who has brains to deal with these uh, elite scholars up in DC and the DOJ, yes, it is Vivek Ramaswamy. I, look, I think he's a very talented man. I, I look, I, you you have made a, a very compelling argument there, and. Uh, I, I, I want to invite you to please uh, keep in touch with us across this cycle, this this election cycle. Call in any time you want. And, sure. uh, you know, remember, we're going to have this debate coming up uh, at District 8. Uh, it's it's going to be uh, this is going to be a very exciting place to be. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that uh, you're part of the WBT family here, man. Thank you so much for sure. being. Thank there. you. Thanks, Ram. Thank you. Thank you got it. Ram is Ram is is my guy. All right. We got another great hour straight ahead. News Talk 1110 WBT. WBTAM Charlotte. WBTFM Chester. WLNK HD2 Charlotte. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. News Talk 1110-993 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show. Hour number four underway. 
later this hour. Bruce Bechtel's going to join us. We're going to talk all about the uh, threats coming out of North Korea. Uh, you heard uh, what was uh, sort of a veiled threat that came out of China earlier today. They are acknowledging that uh, Joe Biden uh, may be on his way out the door for uh, for uh, Donald Trump. We'll uh, we'll get thoughts on that as well. Uh, this is a really interesting story that's not going to get covered on any of the mainstream uh, programs. So I figured I would dive into this. I think it's a very interesting reality. Joe Biden has called early morning lids and has held just four public events over the past 25 days. Joe Biden on Tuesday called another early morning lid and went into hiding. 81-year-old Joe Biden went into hiding shortly after 10 a.m. today. According to RNC research, Joe Biden has held just four public events over the past 25 days. The rest of the time has been spent on vacation or doing nothing. Here's how it shakes out. Here's numbers don't lie. December 23rd, left for vacation at Camp David. December 24th, vacation at Camp David. December 25th, vacation at Camp David. December 26th, returned from vacation at Camp David. December 27th, left for vacation in the Virgin Islands. December 28th, vacation in the Virgin Islands. December 29th, vacation in the Virgin Islands. December 30th, vacation in the Virgin Islands. December 31st, vacation in the Virgin Islands. January 1st, vacation in the Virgin Islands. January 2nd, returned from vacation in the U.S. Virgin Islands. January 3rd, nothing. January 4th, nothing. January 5th, gave an angry speech at Valley Forge. Left for vacation in Delaware. January 6th, vacation in Delaware. January 7th, vacation in Delaware. January 8th, gave an angry speech in South Carolina, attended funeral visitation in Texas, returned to the White House. January 9th, nothing. January 10th, nothing. January 11th, nothing. January 12th, shuffled into a few Pennsylvania businesses, returned to the White House. January 13th, left for vacation at Camp David. January 14th, vacation at Camp David. January 15th, Returned from vacation at Camp David, spent 15 minutes at a food bank in Philadelphia, and returned to the White House. Unbelievable. I mean, really? That is, that is a shockingly lazy schedule. Not doing it. Okay, I get it. Christmas, Christmas Eve, Christmas Day, New Year's Eve, New Year's Day. Uh, none of that was was apparently covering uh, Lloyd Austin's kerfuffle where he was in the hospital and nobody knew where he was. And his second in command was on vacation in Puerto Rico. I mean, how do you do that? How does this how does this happen? How does this happen? Uh, this bit of news coming out of the, the White House, the Biden staff who wanted to walk out of the. Uh, uh, of the office building there, the White House. Uh, they were unable to do so because of the weather. It was too cold. It was too, it was too cold and blustery. So they were not able to go and protest on behalf of uh, the pro Hamas uh, wing of the Democratic Party. Uh, this is just unbelievable. Uh, where's the commitment? Where is the commitment, ladies and gentlemen? There is no commitment. I mean, if, if, if you want to be down for the struggle, you've got to be down for the struggle. And there's, there's no secret here. 
Everybody knows that that's how the game is played. That's the name of the game. You know, but but you've got these folks who are sitting back and are saying, we're going to walk out, we're going to run out, we're going to make a stand on behalf of who? The Houthis? Yemen? Who, who are you making a stand for? For what purpose are you making a stand? That's what they wanted to do. That is what they wanted to do. Uh, the Houthis, or as I call them, the Houthis, uh, are going to be redesignated as terrorists. What does that mean? I have no idea. We'll probably send them money. We'll probably redesignate them as terrorists and then send them money because we have designated the Iranian regime as terrorists and we still send them money. They're trying to get a nuclear weapon in place and we're still sending them money. We, we gave them, don't forget, this is important, we gave them $6 billion, $6 billion. That was $1.5 billion per hostage in the run-up and the run-after uh, October the 7th. Very, very strange. I, I, I mean, a, a, a very, very strange uh, sort of uh, a, a event taking place here. And, and now we have to see what ends up happening. Right? I mean, this is, this is, a, new, this is a new issue all the way around that, that we're looking at. By the way, Lloyd Austin's Secret ambulance request was re- was revealed in his 911 call. Wait, I thought he was just going in for a routine treatment. They called a 911 call. Audio of 911 call obtained by the Daily Beast reveals a request for emergency dispatchers to be subtle ahead of the defense secretary's secret hospitalization. The aide to U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin, who made a 911 call to request an ambulance for the top official early this month, requested that the dispatchers work to be subtle when they arrived at his residence, according to an audio recording of the January 1st 911 call obtained by the Daily Beast. Quote, can I ask can the ambulance not show up with lights and sirens? Um, we're trying to remain a little subtle, the aide said. According to the recording, which the Daily Beast obtained through a Freedom of Information Act request in the state of Virginia, the dispatcher responded that the ambulance could do that, noting that usually when they turn into a residential neighborhood, they'll turn them off, the lights and sirens. She added that the ambulance is required by law to run the lights and sirens on main streets, um, but not on the, the surface streets there. The audio of the call, which has not been previously reported, reveals new details about the Secretary of Defense's emergency and suggests that the effort to keep his ailment secret was well known by his close aides. Although the Secretary of Defense kept the incident a secret from the public and U.S. President Joe Biden and other senior administration officials. It was revealed last week that he had received surgery in December to treat and cure prostate cancer. He eventually went to Walter Reed National Military Medical Center after experiencing medical complications on January the 1st. That's not supposed to happen this way. Just FYI. There is a chief of staff at the White House, but apparently he's just not connected. That's Jeff Zients. He's the one who threw the party for all of the uh, pro-Hamas people that are feeling angry. 
News Talk 1110, 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Witterbull Show. I always get smarter, and we always get smarter, when we catch up with our next guest. He is uh, Dr. Bruce Bechtel. You know him from uh, his tremendous work with an eye towards what goes on in uh, North Korea. And, and Korea, the, the South Korea as well. Uh, Angelo State University, Bruce Bechtel, it's a pleasure to have you on the program. A happy New Year to you, my friend. Happy New Year, New Year to you too, sir. And I'm I'm always happy to talk to you, Brett. So I was minding my business, looking at the headlines a couple of days ago, and I saw. Did I read this right? That the DPRK, that North Korea is testing some sort of a hypersonic vehicle. What is going on with this story? Yeah, that's uh, that's kind of crazy, isn't it? They've been doing that for about 18 months now, testing a hypersonic missile. Um, this one's a little different because it's solid fuel, mm-hmm. um, so it's a new missile. It's also an intermediate-range ballistic missile, which means it has a range of about uh, 4,500 kilometers, and it can hit Guam which, as you know, for me is very personal because I spent two wonderful years there when I was in the Marine Corps. That's the best beach bars in the Pacific. (laughs) And uh, um, like us, I mean, we're still experimenting with hypersonic missiles, too. The United States is. China is. Russia is. There's no telling where they got it, but it's probably from the Russians. And uh, just for your listeners, a hypersonic missile typically flies about five times the speed of sound. Wow. Wow. Um, it could carry the same payload as a regular uh, missile. And the, what makes it really a threat to us and to our allies in Korea and Japan is not so much that it, it flies so fast, but that it can maneuver as it's coming down. In other words, the North Koreans can maneuver. Not that they're there yet, but they're certainly experimenting with that which makes it a much bigger challenge for our ballistic missile defense. So things like the Patriot system Mm -hmm. and THAAD and other systems that we have that can shoot down that type of missile typically will have a harder time with a hypersonic missile because of its its maneuverability Mm -hmm. as it's aiming toward the target. All right. Now, I get a little suspicious and worried about this. In, in, in another dimension as well. And, and it's because you uh, ha- have told me, and, and, and I know we've had this conversation a lot, that North Korea and Iran are, are bosom buddies. And what I worry about is a hypersonic missile, even with a conventional payload, not a nuclear payload, uh, being deployed by uh, Iran with this technology... Uh, potentially being able to threaten uh, any number of places. Am I, am, I, am I too paranoid in this regard? I don't think you're being paranoid at all. Um, a, go- a good friend of mine named Tal Inbar, who is a missile expert in Israel, he always says the expression, if you see it in North Korea today, you'll see it in Iran tomorrow. Wow. And I think that's uh, very true. Um, so I think we can expect them... Once it actually, you know, is confirmed by them to them that right. it's working well, um, we could see them likely proliferate that not just to Iran, but probably to Syria as well, perhaps even to the Houthis. I ah. mean, uh, these missiles you see uh, that the Houthis are firing at not just Israel, but obviously merchant shipping uh, that's traveling through the Gulf. 
Um, those missiles all have their genesis in North Korea. Those are all nothing more than souped-up Scud Cs. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, they had Scud, the original government there before the Houthis took over, had Scud Cs. The North Koreans came over there and helped the Irans add some technical characteristics such as uh, longer ranges and better accuracy to the Scud Cs the Iranians had. And then the Iranians gave a bunch of those Scud Cs to the Houthis. Mm. And they've been firing those, at, as everybody knows, and, and you're better read than most people I know. Um, obviously, the merchant shipping, they've tried to fire some of them in Israel. The Israelis have that... Uh, that arrow system that they have, their ballistic missile defense system, that has been able to shoot them down. Uh, but you and I both know mm-hmm. <laughs> the Iranians would love to get their hands on something like this. So uh, it may be a preview of coming attractions. Oh boy, especially if look, we know they're racing towards uh, they're they're racing towards a, 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 you know nuclear weapons grade material, and and having that on top of a hypersonic missile feels to me like uh, b- blackmail twenty four seven three sixty five uh, by, by against any number of uh, of, of nations. Um, Exactly. Exactly. So I I think this is one of the missiles we're going to see tested a lot more Mm -hmm. um, of interest. The the North Koreans actually tested a hypersonic missile off a train about 18 months ago. So, I mean, they're experimenting with all kinds of stuff. Uh, Some people that you'll read that will write articles about this will talk about the fact that it's a solid-fueled missile so they can move it easier. To me, that's not a big deal with the North Koreans because they've got such extensive tunnels underground mm-hmm. where they can keep these missiles. They don't really have to move them that much. Um, the hypersonic part is the part that is is the scary part, the concerning part. That's probably a better word. Um, but again, it is something that they're experimenting with right now. The Russians uh, have told us, uh, they've told the world that their hypersonic missiles work. Right. Um, that, you know, remains to be seen. Uh, but, you know, uh, because of the fact that they're selling so much stuff to the Russians mm-hmm. for the war they're prosecuting in Ukraine right now, um, you can bet that they're trying to get the very best technology they can for things like this from the Russians. And by the way, on that note, yes, sir. Um, according to the Ukrainian press, um, the North Koreans have now sold over a million shells uh, artillery shells to the Russians. Wow! So they're not—they're not adding any new capability to the Russians. They're just helping them maintain the the capability they already have, so they can keep being the blunt instrument that they are and keep beating on on Ukraine. Pro- proliferation is a is a is a huge business uh, in this regard, and it's it's one of these things that. We have to keep our eye on, uh, no doubt about it. I have a feeling we'll be uh, we'll be catching up uh, fairly frequently uh, with all these ebbs and flows, especially with the Houthis and the things like that that are happening um, in that region as well. And um, we we so appreciate you uh, spending time with us here today, Dr. Bruce Bechtel, Angelo State University. Um, we appreciate you coming by on the program. Thanks for your service, and uh, we always appreciate your insights, my friend. Anytime, Brett. Have a great evening. You as well. That's Dr. Bruce Bechtel. I'm Brett Witterbull. News Talk 1110-993 WVT. Hey, let's say you want to go buy some underwear. And let's say you, you, you go to 
California to buy some underwear at like a Target or a Walmart store. And so there you are. You're minding your business. You're looking in the underwear aisle. You're not getting anything you know, fancy or sexy or anything like that. Just getting run-of-the-mill, regular old underwear that, that you want to wear. And um, you, you go down the aisle, and then you suddenly discover, holy cow, all the underwear are behind glass. Just regular underwear. Just like $10 underwear. Just like a, a pack of... Of, of BVDs or, or briefs or whatever it is you're doing there, okay? I'm not going to judge you. Two major retailers in California Bay Area are putting socks and underwear under lock and key in an effort to deter shoplifters. A Target store in Richmond and another one in Pleasant Hill are locking up their items. NBC Bay Area reported on Thursday. The outlet also noted that customers are being forced to wait quite some time for employees to retrieve the merchandise from the cases. Of course they are. They're they're hiding in the back smoking weed. Likewise, a Walmart in Hilltop has placed its underwear inventory under lock and key due to daily shoplifting instances. It comes to the point of how bad does it get that they have to lock up the socks or whatever it is that they have under key. One shopper identified as Olga Leon told the outlet. However, undergarments are among numerous items being guarded in cases in stores across the nation that have decided to take the same drastic measures amid uh, rampant shoplifting. According to uh, the outlet, Inside Edition's Lisa Guerrero recently tried to buy a tube of toothpaste that was kept in a case at a Target in Manhattan. However, she and her team had to wait several minutes for a worker to arrive and take it out of the case. In April, Breitbart News reported that Walmart, Target, Best Buy, and other large retailers were closing some of their stores across the country because they were suffering from rising thefts. I would just say, like, just pull out of all these areas. I mean, you you know where the crime is and just pull out. Just leave. Just leave. The cost will go up. Our residents will have to pay more and they'll have to commute and travel further to pick up their groceries, their socks, to pick up their prescriptions, etc. It's a real challenge. No, it's not. You arrest criminals. You, you, you catch the people that are stealing the stuff. And I'm telling you, the way you fix this problem is really not hard. You give, you give these thieves 40 years in the penitentiary for theft. First time, Fender, you stole and you're going to the penitentiary for 40 years, no parole. If you're serious about stopping industrial strength criminals, put them in jail and don't let them out for 40 years. Uh, 50 years. 50 years. Two pair of underwear? 50 years you're going to be in the penitentiary making small rocks out of big rocks. I'm sorry. You have to remember something here, okay? Thieves are the termites of civilization. Thieves hollow out civilization. Thieves, whoever they are, wherever they are, whenever they are, they are the ones that cause maximum misery to the people who can least bear it. It's not the retailers. It's it's not the retailers. It's the people that have no other option than to shop at that store. I, I, I am a big believer 
in you steal, you go to jail for a long time, and I don't care what it is. Don't give me this, but it was only a $20 pair of underwear. Well, you're going to jail for 20 years. In fact, that's, how, that's, that's probably how they ought to do the, 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 the sentencing. Whatever the item was worth, it's going to be that number of years that you're going to go into the penitentiary. $100 underwear, 100 years in jail. I mean, this is the, you have got to make an example of these people, of these people who are violating the basic tenets of civilization. Thieves can do more destruction than nuclear weapons can. Okay? And, 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 and it's, it's true. Look at the cities that are suffering around our country. And look at the people who live in those cities that have no other option. It's disgusting. It's not social justice. It's, it's industrial-grade theft. It's what it is. And you can, you can say whatever you want. It's not nice. It's not right. You choose to steal. You choose to say, I'm going to take something that is not mine, and I'm going to sell it, or I'm going to keep it, or I'm going to do those things. And if you're a thief, and that's what you're doing, you have to do the time. Because if you did it for about three or four years, you would have a, a grip on this once and for all. But it's when you tell people that it's okay to violate the law, it doesn't matter. You just get more of it. Coming up, solving the military's recruiting crisis. This is a very important story. News Talk 1110 99.3 WBT. It is the Brett Winterbull Show. So the American Mind, which is a uh, publication put out by Claremont, the Claremont Institute, has a piece that they posted today that I think is really important. I've, I've put it up over at my Facebook page uh, at uh, the Brett Witterbull Show. Solving the military's recruiting crisis. It's a piece that's been written by Grant Smith. The widespread loss of trust in America's fighting force is warranted, is how this thing begins. To put it bluntly, the Department of Defense is led by weak men who know only good times. If the military actually acknowledged that its leadership is detached from virtue, causality, and reality, it could find the courage to accept the fundamental issue driving our readiness, recruitment, and retention problems, especially among patriotic Americans. The basic problem is that today's Department of Defense is unworthy of America's sons and daughters because it has become untrustworthy. Unfortunately, those in the upper echelons of the DOD appear willfully blind to this moment of their own making. Those the military seeks to recruit must believe that it defends the Constitution above all. This means the U.S. military must not only work to preserve the natural rights of U.S. citizens, but it must also do the same for its members. Little could restore trust more rapidly than senior leaders conspicuously and publicly acknowledging difficult truths over small beer wrongs. 
This would require making it clear to the American public that our government and its military are aligned with the first principles that America was founded upon. And then they get into the meat of the matter. Senior leaders have routinely violated the trust of those they lead without apology or accountability for the catastrophic harms their failures have caused. Prominent examples include unlawful shot mandates, ideological litmus tests for command positions, maligning patriotic Americans in the ranks as extremists, Through lifelong careers advanced by bureaucratic maneuvering, our leadership is hardwired to recite the tired platitudes about creating an environment of trust and putting people first. But they consistently fail to do the difficult and risky work of becoming trustworthy. Superficial measures resulting from a bureaucratic mindset are ineffective because the kind of trust that fixes a recruiting crisis can only be granted to the trustworthy. He notes, Exhibit 1 is current leaders telling Congress under oath that there isn't a crisis, though the Army has issued a call to service in a desperate attempt to plug the holes in a sinking ship. Adding to that, U.S. Army Training and Doctrine Command recently teamed up with the Modern Warfare Institute at West Point to host an essay contest aiming to explain why $50,000 hiring bonuses and politicized victim-focused rear echelon recruiting videos have proven utterly insufficient to fill the ranks. The winning essays did not get anywhere near acknowledging the cultural and ideological issues that have contributed to a free fall in interest in serving. To a credulous American public in the wake of 9-11, platitudes were enough. But there have been far too many lies and failures in the top ranks of the military complex since then to paper over the growing crisis. After decades of costly and preventable failures, the American people are tired of war and exhausted by the lies glibly espoused by their representatives. Rather than address the unpleasant reality, senior leaders seek refuge in an echo chamber constructed from an unholy trinity of unconstitutional censorship, mass media driven opinion shaping network and the confirmation bias that accompanies their class interest. Ignorance may be bliss, but for those tasked with leading America's military, the cost of that ignorance can be deadly. Just ask the families of the 13 Marines who were killed because of the failures of their, quote, leaders during America's disastrous withdrawal from Afghanistan. But there is hope. Since standards can only go so low and bonuses can only go so high, we're at least starting to ask the right questions. Demanding excellence from a force enables trust by demonstrating that the DOD is serious about fulfilling its constitutional role to defend the nation from legitimate threats. The U.S. military was historically branded for excellence, cutting meritocratic standards, eroded excellence, undercutting narratives surrounding the DOD's reputation and dampening the goodwill and faith of service members and veterans. 
to highlight a recently squandered opportunity, we need to look no more further than the implementation of the Army Combat Fitness Test. The unifying gender and age-neutral standards that were carefully calibrated and accurately measure objective performance were abandoned once testing data demonstrated a politically inconvenient but obvious truth. Biological differences exist between men and women. While discrimination based on immutable characteristics is a violation of equal opportunity policy, discrimination based on objective performance is the essential duty of all military leaders. Any disparate impact this may cause must logically be accepted if we're to maintain a force capable of exerting effective deterrence against threats, both foreign and domestic. The battlefield doesn't offer equity. Neither should our military's training standards. It gets into DEI and and all that has come to pass in that regard. It's a really compelling piece. I've put it up over at my uh, Brett Witterbull Show Facebook page, and it's a chance for you to to get in there. By the way, uh, the, the author of this piece, Grant Smith, is a U.S. Army officer, signatory of the military of the uh, Declaration of Military Accountability, physical therapist who's passionate about the Constitution and, and promoting fitness of soldiers. It's a big deal here, folks. A huge deal. People are just going to refuse to serve. And that's not good. Thanks uh, so much for spending time with me today. And uh, breaking with Brett Jensen is going to come by next. He's here in the house, waving his arms. Lifting the uh, the heavyweights. Uh, appreciate Tommy and Isaac and TJ, Anna, and, uh, of course, Pam. I am Brett Witterbull. We'll do it again tomorrow starting at 3. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT.